Thank you for firing up the Sunrise Church podcast. My name is Steve Garcia, and I am the lead pastor at Sunrise. We are a community of Jesus followers from all walks of life, all colors of skin, and all ages. And I hope this message you hear today inspires you to deepen your connection with Christ. Let's dive in. morning, family. I want to welcome all of you who are watching live online, as well as those of you who are live here at our Rialto location of Sunrise Church. My name is Steve Garcia. I'm the lead pastor here. Happy 4th to you all. If this is your first time with us, I sure would love the opportunity to shake your hand or give you a fist bump. I'll be out in the courtyard just after service, right next to the little photo op there, and I would love to be able to meet you. Well, as you heard from the songs, as you saw from the video today, we are continuing with part five of our message series about war, though not a war that is waged on a physical battlefield, but one that is waged on a spiritual battlefield. And in the New Testament book of Ephesians chapter six, the apostle Paul tells followers of Jesus everywhere to be aware of this kind of battle that we find ourselves in. Let's read along together. This is Ephesians six, verse 12. Paul says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand." Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So Paul says if we're going to engage in a spiritual battle, we need to be equipped with spiritual weapons. We need to put on the full armor and fight in the strength of God because the war is for our souls. And so Paul lists the weapons that are available to you and I. He starts first with the belt of truth. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. Putting on the belt of truth is centering your life on Christ. The belt is what holds all the armor together. He mentions the breastplate of righteousness. This not only protects our heart, against attack from the enemy, but by living righteously, we take the attack to the enemy. The boots of peace, this is what we talked about last week. Peace with God is only possible through faith in Jesus, and once you receive peace with God, you can receive the peace of God and take it with you wherever your feet may tread. Today, we're going to be talking about the shield of faith. Next week, the helmet of salvation, followed by the sword of the Spirit. And so the command is for us to put on all of these pieces and fight in God's strength. But even so, each week we've been breaking down each piece of this armor to give us some practical ways that we could put it on and get ourselves battle ready. So our topic for today is the shield of faith. Now, you might not realize this, but shields are a part of our everyday life. Here's just a couple of examples of shields. Uh, For example, when COVID first hit, Uh, It wouldn't be uncommon to see somebody wearing one of these. 
You know what I love about this apparatus? There's no mystery as to what it's called. It literally says it across your forehead, face shield. All right? There's another kind of shield that almost every single one of us use every day, and we don't think much about it until we realize how much it helped us. And that's this, our windshields. Kind of looks like my windshield. So it doesn't just shield us from wind. It shields us from debris that flies up from the road. It shields us from rain. It shields us from bugs. Anybody ever driven through the middle of the country before? You're thankful for a windshield that saves you from bugs. Every gas station, you have to stop and squeegee off all of the dead bugs. Imagine if those things are flying right into your car. But there's another kind of shield that we really take for granted, and that's this one, the sneeze shield. All right, now, for those of you who are trying to eat healthy at the salad bar, the last thing you need is someone at chewing in your lettuce. And so I say this right now, don't ever eat at a salad bar that doesn't have a sneeze shield, or you're going to learn the hard way. Those crunchy things in your salad, those ain't croutons, all right? <laughs> but listen, Shields are a part of our everyday life. We don't even realize it. For the Roman soldiers of the Apostle Paul's day, he was talking about the kind of shields that they wore in battle. Now, don't think of the little round shields like Captain America uses. I want you to think more like this. This is what the Roman shield looked like. They called it a scutum, and it was basically like carrying a door on your arm. In fact, you can get down on one knee and hide behind that shield and be totally covered from a frontal assault. And surely these were the, the thoughts that inspired the Apostle Paul's words in Ephesians 6.16 when he said, In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. So the way that warfare worked back then was that the enemy would take their arrows and prepare for war by covering them in tar pitch. And then when they stepped out on the battlefield, they would draw the arrow back, dip the tip in an open flame, and then launch it through the sky. Imagine fire raining down on your heads. This was a brutal assault. And so what the Roman soldiers did was they fashioned a shield to be able to extinguish these flaming arrows. What they would do is they take their wooden shield and they would cover the front of it in leather and then bound the sides with iron so that it wouldn't fray, and then soak them in water so that when those fiery darts hit, they would be totally extinguished. Imagine the amount of faith these soldiers had in their shields. Their lives literally depended on it. And so the Apostle Paul said, let's take a page from the Roman soldiers, and let's use these kinds of shields, shields, of faith. Put your faith in your shield. I love how David says it in Psalm 28, 7. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him and he helps me. Taking up the shield of faith is affirming that my full trust is in Jesus Christ as my only hope and my only help. It's saying that no matter what the enemy throws at me, it will be nullified by the power of Jesus Christ in my life. And when you believe this, you can align with the words of the great Old Testament prophet Isaiah who said, no weapon forged against you will prevail. It doesn't matter how destructive, how unrelenting, how unforgiving the attacks of the enemy are. They can be withstood 
by taking up your shield of faith. So how do we do it? How do we take up this shield of faith? Well, I believe it's a combination of two things, holding on and letting go. It's retaining our faith in the right thing while releasing our faith in the wrong things. Taking up our shield of faith is a combination of grasping and dropping, of holding on and letting go. Paul said, take up these shields, but not any shield, the shield of faith. So what exactly is faith? How do I develop faith? Well, let's start first with our best definition from Scripture about what faith is. Hebrews chapter 11 is a great passage on faith. This is what it says in verse 1. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. That word confidence can be translated as foundation. No one builds upon a shaky foundation. It's just too risky. So for me, I have to be able to stand on the foundation and know that this is going to be able to hold me, something I could build my life upon. It's foundational. I need to know that to be true. And it's the assurance about what we do not see. That word assurance can be translated as tested. Well, what's the best way to know that something has been tested? By testing it. And so I need to make sure that my foundation, I believe this foundation is strong, so I'm going to test it by building upon it. That's what faith is. It's knowing something to be true and then acting upon it. So for a soldier to take his shield into battle, he had to know that this shield was capable of protecting me. Otherwise, he would never hold on to it. And the same is true about faith in Christ. There's some things that we need to know about God or we'll never take the shield into battle. And I believe that the number one most important thing to know about God is this. God is good. Do you really believe that? You know, those of you who've been around church for a while, you'll know exactly how to respond when somebody like me begins this chant. God is good all the time. You know, in Kenya, the pastors added another phrase to that. After they said, all the time, God is good, they said, for this is his nature. I like that because this is the nature of God. By nature, God is good, meaning at the core of who he is is inherent goodness. And the scriptures testify to this about God, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Let me share just a couple with you. From the Old Testament book of Habakkuk, chapter 1, verse 13, it says, Your eyes are too pure to look on evil and tolerate wrongdoing. I can't even look upon it. New Testament, 1 John 1, 5, this is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. James chapter 1, when tempted, no one should say God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. He has no sin nature, no evil for, for sin to appeal to. Back to the Old Testament, Psalm 119.68, I love this. You are good, and what you do is good. The most foundational piece of faith is knowing something to be true. 
and that is that God is good. It's simple, but so difficult to live out. And probably the hardest time to really, really know this is when tragedy strikes. An unexpected death, a terminal diagnosis, rejection, betrayal, abuse. When these things hit, that's where the spiritual battle intensifies the most. Do I really believe God is good? And I've been in some of these seasons, and I know how difficult it is, but that's where we have to take up the shield of faith because our hearts will abandon us, but we have to know God is good. But the enemy sees an opportunity here. He knows we're vulnerable in these places to give up on God. Yeah, if God really loved you, he wouldn't let these things happen to you. If God really loved you, he would have protected you from this heartache. He would have protected you from this harm. I could tell you this, just this past year at Sunrise Church, the most amount of faith I have seen from people have been from parents who have lost children. I have walked out of funeral services and living rooms feeling like I just stood in the presence of giants. I watched these people hold on to their faith. And the enemy wants you to think, yeah, if, if God is so good, then why would he do these things to you? Well, when you know that God is good and you hold on to that truth that God is good, you realize, no, God isn't doing this to me. This is the result of living in a broken and fallen world. This is the enemy shooting flaming arrows at me. But I can believe in faith that even what the enemy means for evil, God can turn around for my good and for others as well. We know this from Romans chapter 8 when the Apostle Paul said this in verse 28. We know that in all things God works for the, say it with me, good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. That God could take even the most brutal assault of the enemy and turn it for some kind of good. You know, the Apostle Paul mentioned these fiery arrows. This would have been the, the most brutal form of war warfare Paul ever saw. But obviously, you and I know that war has gotten much harsher and much more complex since the days of the Roman Empire. And what would be the most brutal form of warfare now? Like a drone strike, maybe? So in this scenario, Paul would have said, take up your computers of faith and hack that drone and turn the missile right back on the enemy. That's the idea that God can bring about good even though we can't see it. That's faith. You see, the idea is I have to first know something that's true about God. In order for a soldier to take that shield onto the battlefield, he had to know a few things about that shield. He had to tell himself, okay, I know the shield is made out of wood so I, I could pick it up and carry it, and I know that the shield can stop arrows, and I know that the shield is covered in water-soaked leather so it's not going to burn when I get hit by the fiery arrows. I know this stuff about my shield, but what's the next step he's going to have to take? He has to actually step onto the battlefield. Now I have to step into the unknown believing that this shield is good. We do so little out of faith, don't we? We pray, God, just tell me what's going to happen. That's not faith. Your scripture is filled with examples of men and women who went before us, who held on to this kind of faith. 
Again, Hebrews 11 has lots of examples. I'll read you just a couple of them. Verse 7, By faith Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. Noah had never seen rain, and yet he prepared for a flood because he had faith that God is good, and so therefore I'm going to obey him. Verse 8, By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. Abraham relocated his entire life to a land he had never been before. And it's not like God pulled out a map and said, here's your final destination. Abraham just kept walking until God said, stop, because he believed that God is good and that he's going to lead me into the place that's best for me. One more example, verse 11. And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. Sarah held on to the fact that this is a God who keeps his promises, so despite the fact that all odds seem stacked against me, I'm holding on because I know God is good. That's what faith is. That's what it means to take up the shield of faith. It's acting on the knowledge that I have. I have to know it, and then I have to take the shield up and step onto the battlefield. You've got to hold on. But you know, holding on has another meaning, too. One is to grasp that shield in battle, but the other meaning for hold on is to wait. When a child is tugging on your shirt going, Mom, 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 you turn and say, hold on. And what you're saying in that moment is, I can't give you my attention. You're going to have to wait. When you call customer service and the representative says, hold, please, what they are telling you is that the person you want to talk to is unavailable. You're going to need to wait. And a huge piece of acting on our faith is waiting on God getting behind his shield of protection and believing in faith that when God says to move forward, then I'll step out and then I'll move forward. I love how David says it in Psalm 17, verse 13. He says, I remain confident in this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. I might not be able to see it, but I believe in faith that since God is good, I'm going to see his goodness. I might be a little bruised and battered in the meantime, but I'm going to hold behind the shield and I'm going to wait. How many of us have seen one of these movies where the good guys are pinned down by enemy fire? And there's always one guy who's a little jumpy, like, "Ah, I think I can make it. I think I can run out and make it. And everybody's yelling at him, no, don't. Just hold on. Stay safe. He's like, no, 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 I know I can make it. And we're yelling at the TV, don't go out there running. There's a sniper in the tower. And the guy's like, yeah, yeah, I can make it. And he runs out into the field. And what happens? Bang, dead. We all saw it coming. And even so, we're still yelling at the TV, you fool. Air support was on its way. (laughs) And sometimes I wonder if this is how God feels about you and I. You know, we're praying and we're asking God for something, and we sense so strongly him saying to us, hold on, hold on. But what do we do? We drop that shield and we run straight out into the battlefield. 
and there were sitting ducks for the enemy and his fiery arrows. We run right into relationships with people who are not walking with Christ. And you might not see it right away, but over time you will discover how difficult it is to share your life with someone who does not share your faith. And how much pain could have been avoided if you just held on and waited on the Lord. There are some parents in here who are grieving the decisions that their children are making. And you're praying for them, and you just sense God saying, hold on, I'm still at work, wait on me. But we jump out from behind that shield and take matters into our own hands. We send the text, we make the call, we show up at the place we should have never been, and now it's made things a hundred times worse. Everyone's mad at everyone. And to think about the pain that could have been saved if we just waited. Hear stories all the time here in Sunrise of people who, who left their old crew behind because they were dragging them down and experienced a season of sobering up, a season of rediscovering the joy of walking with Christ. And then they were lonely one day, scrolling through Instagram and saw that old crew hanging out and decided to go reconnect. And they were dragged down again just like they were before put the shield down, ran straight out into the field, bang, enemy gun. One of the reasons why we run out is because we just don't think that God is good. We feel like we're the ones who have to take control. And God is saying, hold on just a little longer. Be confident. You'll see the goodness of God in the land of the living. But you got to wait and believe in faith that when it's time to advance, God will give you those instructions. Taking up the shield of faith is a combination of holding on, and the second thing is letting go. Let's go back to Paul's words in Ephesians 6.16. He said, In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. You know, up until this point, Paul was talking about armor that we're to put on. Put on the belt, put on the breastplate, put on the boots. But now he uses new language. He says, take up, meaning use your hands. And if you were a soldier that wasn't marred from battle, you had two hands. One of those hands was for your sword. More on that in two weeks. The other hand was for your shield. But when battle intensified, one army would often try to push the other one back. This is what we talked about last week, of digging into the soil and standing your ground. And in that case, the soldier would need to holster their weapon and hold onto that shield with both hands. And in this moment, the soldier had to ask themselves this question, what must I let go of in order to hold this shield? And I think it's a question all of us ought to ask ourselves this morning. What do I need to let go of? What am I holding on to instead of my shield of faith? Some of you are holding on to the past. You're missing what God is doing right in front of you because you're transfixed on the rearview mirror. Listen to these words from the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah 43, 18. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? 
I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. The ancient Israelites were, were so fixated on all the stuff God did in the past. And God was speaking through Isaiah and saying, listen, God was good yesterday, but God is still good today, and he's going to be good tomorrow. So keep moving ahead. God's best days are not behind him. God is still very much perfectly good right here, right now. Some of you are holding on to bad blood, unforgiveness. Listen to these words of the Apostle Paul, Ephesians 4.31. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. For those of us who are hanging on to something somebody did to us in the past, I got to tell you, what's in your hand is not a shield, it's a target. And we are hanging a bullseye for Satan to aim at with his fiery arrows. Paul says, let go of that stuff. Free up your hands so you can hold the shield of faith. Forgive as in Christ God forgave you. Some of us are holding on to money. The reason why we can't have faith is because our faith is in our money. Apostle Paul said, 1 Timothy 6.17, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. Boy, isn't that true. But to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. One of the reasons why we don't have faith is because in our hands we're not holding a shield, we're holding a shopping bag. So many of us have, have put all of our faith in, in riches, in money. It takes, it takes faith to be generous because we have to believe that God is going to provide for our needs. We have to believe that God is going to give us everything we need and more. It takes faith to tithe. It takes faith to be generous. You know, another area that's so critical for you and I to let go of so that we can have hands to hold a shield of faith is we need to let go of our independence. Now, I know tomorrow is Independence Day, and a lot of you are going to be grilling and, and watching fireworks and that sort of thing, but what we're celebrating is our country's signing of the Declaration of Independence. What we're celebrating is independence from British monarchy, not independence from each other. And some of us pride ourselves in our independence. I don't need anybody. I'm self-sufficient. But what if this isn't your biggest strength? It's actually your biggest weakness. And see, many of us, even when we have armor and a shield, we're standing out in the battlefield. It's much easier for the enemy to pick you off when you're alone, which is exactly what Satan wants. He wants us alone. But what if we had other brothers and sisters that we could hold up our shields with together? You know, the Roman soldiers, they discovered this too. And they had a special military maneuver they called the testudo, which translates into tortoise, like a turtle shell. And so those on the exterior would put their backs to one another and form a 360-degree wall. Those on the interior would hold their shields above their heads and create a roof. They would be able to withstand enemy attack from every single direction. This is the power 
of holding your shields up with other brothers and sisters. Listen to these encouraging words from the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 4 before he started talking about spiritual warfare. He said, so Christ gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Boy, we live in a world today where we are being pummeled with crafty, cunning, and scheming teaching. And so many of us are just floating out there. We don't know who God is. We don't read God's word. And so instead, our faith is in the opinion of friends. Our faith is in the opinion of family members, the opinion of talking heads on news outlets, the opinion of social media influencers. Many of us put more faith in Yelp than we do in Yahweh. And we're sitting out there all alone, getting pummeled by this teaching everywhere. You need brothers and sisters in Christ to say, hey, let's open up God's word together and let's link up our shields. This is why we encourage you. It's so important to be a part of a small group. You need others helping you to navigate all of the noise of this world. Otherwise, you're just going to believe it all. It's so important that we have others in our lives that we're linking shields with to withstand the attack of the enemy. Now, many of you, this message is resonating with your heart because you've been facing a lot of battles lately. And if you're a follower of Jesus, this is where we have to act on what we know to be true. God is good, so I'm holding on to the shield of faith, and I'm going to withstand this attack. I'm going to see God's goodness. I have this confidence. I'm going to act on the goodness of God, knowing he's going to protect me. This, too, will pass for you. However, there are many of you, I believe, who don't have a personal relationship with Christ, and I'm standing before you to tell you that the shield you have is insufficient to stop the enemy attack. Maybe you believe there is a God. Maybe you even believe that this God is good, but you haven't taken that next step. And if that's the case, I want to encourage you with the words of David in Psalm 34, 8, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Today is the day we stop taking refuge in all of the other things we've tried. We take our refuge in Jesus Christ, and for ourselves we taste and see that God is good. Today's the day to place your faith in Jesus Christ. If you've never done this before, if you've never intentionally invited Christ into your life, I want to help you do that. Here at Sunrise, we say that beginning a relationship with Jesus is as simple as ABC. The A stands for admit. I have to take responsibility for the sin in my life. I can't go passing that off on other people. My sin is what caused separation between me and God. But the B stands for believe. I believe that Jesus is the perfect Son of God who came from heaven to earth to die in my place to forgive me of all my sins. And the C stands for commit. Just like those soldiers committed to those shields on the battlefield, so too we commit to our shield in Jesus Christ. So if you've never intentionally invited Jesus into your life, I want to help you do that today. 
In just a moment, I'll give you a prayer you could repeat after me in the silence of your own heart. And if you really mean this, if, I'll give you the words, but you've got to believe them in faith. If you really mean it, then Jesus will enter into your life, begin a relationship with you, and give you the shield to withstand the attacks from the enemy. So now's the time. I want to invite all of us to close our eyes, bow our heads so we can focus up. And if you've never intentionally invited Christ into your life, then I want you to repeat this prayer after me in the silence of your own heart. Just pray this. Jesus, today I place my faith in you. Jesus, today I place my faith in you. I admit I am a sinner, but I believe you are my Savior. I believe you died for me, and I ask that you forgive me of all my sins into my life, oh God. Change my heart, oh God, so that I can commit to you and leave my old life behind and walk in the new life of Christ. This I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you're somebody who prayed that prayer for the first time, I want to encourage you to let somebody know. As Pastor John mentioned, at the bottom of your programs is just a little perforated card you could tear that off. There's a box on here that says, I said yes. At the end of service, our offering bags will come through. You could drop this in the offering bag or you could bring it out to the next step table in the lobby and let somebody know. Those of you who are watching online, there's a button you can click on that says, I commit my life to Christ. Social channels, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram. Get loud. Don't hold back. Let somebody know. Today, I committed my life to Christ. Again, sunrisechurch.org. Click on that button. And maybe there's several of you who... You pray to receive Christ, but you're, you're not going anywhere. You're not growing. You want to take that next step. You're ready. Here's how to do it. On your phones, text the word next to this number, 909-281-7797. One of our staff members is waiting for that text to come through, and they'll start exchanging some messages with you to help you take your next step. We promise we won't spam you. We just want to help you keep growing. And that might be joining a small group locking shields with other brothers and sisters or getting involved in the church. Maybe you're interested in baptism or you need some assistance. Whatever that case is, text NEXT to 909-281-7797 or you could stop by our Next Steps table in the lobby. The shield is one of the most important weapons we have on the battlefield. But you know, the shield had an unintended use as well. Back in the days of the Roman Empire, the shield was also used as a stretcher to carry off the dead bodies of fallen soldiers. In fact, there was a saying back then, carry your shield or be carried by it. Those of us who leave our shields of faith laying on the ground are sitting ducks to the fiery attacks of the enemy. It doesn't have to be that way. You don't have to keep taking hits. So this week, Let's take up our shield of faith. You know, after the war was over, you know what Roman soldiers would often do? They'd look at their shield and count the number of arrows that were in it. And it was not uncommon for soldiers to count hundreds, literally hundreds of arrows fixed into their shield. They held it up like a trophy. You do the same thing, knowing this is what Jesus Christ does in my life. Look at what he's helped me from. So let's take up our shields this week. Hold on tight. Act on what you know, that God is good, and I'm going to wait on him.
And then what do you need to let go of? What are you holding in your hands instead of your faith in Christ? Let go of that stuff. Listen, if the, the, the enemy is going to be shooting fiery arrows at us this week from every direction, but hold fast to your faith in Christ, and I can tell you without reservation that no weapon forged against you will prevail. And our shield, Jesus Christ, will protect you and help you turn the tide on the enemy. You believe it? Amen. Amen. Thanks again for listening to this podcast. I want to encourage you to not just stop here. Maybe you sense God is speaking to you today and wanting you to take that next step. So here's two ways you can do just that. The first is text the word next to the number 909-281-7797. That's 909-281-7797. You'll receive a message back with some ways to help you grow. That may mean joining a small group or finding a place to serve or just talking with someone one-to-one about your faith. You can also visit the notes for this podcast and follow the links provided. And if you're within driving distance of one of our four physical locations in Banning, Ontario, Rialto, or Victorville, we'd love for you to stop by sometime and give us a chance to meet you personally. Again, we want to thank you for listening, and we hope to see you soon. God bless.